This is Aspire, Arc Street Public Radio, a content-driven platform broadcasting interviews from our Innovate, Innovate Media, Innovate CSR, and Innovate Under 30 podcast series. Aspire gives public voice to socially conscious and forward-thinking leaders within the nonprofit and for-profit sectors, academia, journalism, and social entrepreneurship. My name is Robert Rim, Managing Editor for Arch Street Press. I'll be your host today. Today, our guest is Shubh Sharma, founder of AForest, an organization changing the framework of urban landscaping and afforestation by influencing key groups, corporations, and governments to adopt methods that optimally use land to increase green cover. AForest was founded on Shubh's belief that the damage done to our environment is not irreversible. It's possible to invert the trend by simply recreating the forests that used to naturally grow there. The organization offers replanning services to individuals, small businesses, corporations, and governments. Since founding AForest in January of 2011, Shubh's and his team's efforts have created 17 natural forests in five cities in India, spreading over 100,000 square feet, equating to roughly 43,000 trees. AFARS methods produce green service areas 30 times larger than other methods, resulting in 30 times more carbon dioxide absorption, oxygen creation, and water retention. Recently, Shubes has also been engaged with colleges and institutions conducting workshops on AFARS methodologies. He's making a concerted effort to empower youth and other citizens to grow forests in their own gardens. Shubes has been recognized as an Ashoka Fellow for his efforts and was recently featured in the Economic Times for his social innovation and vision. Welcome. It's a pleasure to have you with us on our podcast today. Thank you so much. I'm honored. And thanks a lot for the lovely introduction. Well, Shubes, I understand that your experience as an engineer with Toyota was the jumping off point of your interest and involvement in reforestation efforts. Can you share with us the story behind your work as an engineer and how it translated into your work today? <clears throat> well, uh, as an engineer, I studied industrial engineering in uh, my college, and after that, I got you know selected as one of the engineers uh, in at Toyota. And as an industrial engineer, my goal was always to make more and more products in least amount of time. I mean, that's what an uh, industrial engineer does. So, when I got to see the Miyawaki method of making forests, it was, in, in a nutshell, the methodology is making a 100-year-old forest in just 10 years. It grows 10 times faster. And these forests are so dense that every 1,000 square feet, you have a forest of 300 trees. I was so moved looking at the Miyawaki methodology and uh, saw it working in front of my own eyes that, you know, it changed entirely the way I used to look at greenery and uh, I used to look at, you know, uh, environmental rehabilitation. And from there, the germ of this idea to, you know, take Miyawaki method and start making forests anywhere and everywhere using this methodology, that got started when, while I was working in Toyota. But later on, I realized, I mean, quite soon I realized that uh, if you really want to make an impact, it cannot happen as just a hobby, but it has to be done as a, you know, full-time profession. So I started AForest as a company, which is a professional service provider to make these natural forests. And, and for other people who have similar ideas, about really making a difference in their environment, a difference in the larger society. What advice mm -hmm. would you give to people uh, who have got stable jobs as you had with uh, Toyota yeah. as an engineer? What advice would you give to people to, uh, and how to go about actually taking that sometimes scary step of uh, stepping out of a, a secure job and into something that's, uh, that's unknown, but socially obviously extremely valuable? Yes, you are very right. I mean, it's it it wasn't difficult. It wasn't easy for me as well because uh, once you have a stable job and you have you know salary coming in every month, uh, life is easy and you think more widely if you don't have to worry about the money. Uh, running a company or running a social venture or anything which is solely dependent on you uh, has two challenges. First is to you know. Uh, keep the ball rolling, keep the show running, and at the same time, sustaining yourself and sustaining as a, 
as an organization so for the the, the best uh, way to you know uh, make an impact on the environment and on the society as a, as a uh, individual i think it's really very important that we start looking at our lifestyles i mean uh, if if we start consuming uh, consciously and we start using the options which actually make less uh, or you know some there are some products there are uh, uh, lifestyles which actually make a positive uh, you know impact on the environment and it doesn't take much effort and they are not like really very expensive as well so it's it's all about you know uh, making these simple life choices which also you know enable you to uh, make a very positive impact on environment it's not necessarily that anyone and everyone you know has to leave the job and you know start a new revolution but just to be a part of anything which is so doing socially or environmentally good in in our own little way i think that makes a huge difference i mean i wouldn't have planted these uh, 43000 trees if there wouldn't have been any customers who actually wanted forest in their backyards forest in their societies forest in their you know uh, uh companies factories so i think these are the people who are really going to change the world and they are not coming out of their stable jobs they are doing what they want the way they want but at the same time they have taken an initiative to you know have a forest in their backyards and i think that's more important that's more rather rather than that that's a lot more important than getting a new afforestation company started i mean until you don't have customers there is no point of you know even uh, having a company which makes forest so i think uh, anyone and everyone who has decided you know to ch- make these small changes like instead of having a lawn why not have a forest in your backyard instead of having a, a monoculture of tree plantation why not have a natural uh, you know fruit forest in your factory premises so that you can also you know get healthy organic fruits out of these forests so these are you know few simple small steps which finally lead to a positive environmental impact and your uh-huh. thought your thought about starting out small is certainly instructive and helpful mm-hmm. for a lot of people who might think well if they're not in a position to start a company what can i do well this is in fact something that they can do very tangibly to make a difference mm-hmm. yes yes and at the same time uh, the the what project i'm working right now is uh, so we have made a lot of changes in miyawaki uh, methodology uh, we have brought the cost of miyawaki method down by 66% so it's uh, one third of the cost of the original miyawaki method which we are practicing right now we have developed two softwares which uh, makes a person who is not exposed to environment sciences or botany or ecology in general uh these softwares you know make this person enable to make their own forest so based on the geography using these softwares a person can know what biomass to mix in the soil uh, in what quantity what species to be planted and what ratios and what sequence how to plant so there is a step by step procedure uh, what this software is able to generate and you know uh, make anyone and everyone uh, capable enough to make a forest on their own and the project which i am working on right now is to take the software put it on an open source platform where it's accessible to everyone and at the same time it can be improved by uh, anyone and everyone so based on every geographic location you know people from different uh, geographies can uh, update the native species of their own areas people can become experts in uh, making forest in their own geography and help other people who wants to make their own forest by their uh, experience and uh, you know examples of forest which they would have already made so this particular project is going to enable a lot many people to make their own forest it's going to create a lot many professionals who would probably you know practice afforestation professionally exactly the way i am doing right now what i want to see is not a forest as a company to you know uh, have a licensed uh, methodology and giving licenses away to people as a franchisee but rather than that i want to keep it more open source more open 
and uh, free to use uh, methodology and at the same time a model where you know people can contribute their experience their ideas and their know-hows to improve this methodology day by day and you know uh, make impact larger in an exponential form what's the name of this software and where can people access it okay so right now it's not uh, on the cloud or on the internet so it's uh, it's only us who can you know access to it and the name of the software is hijunka which is a japanese word for uh, labeled production so as you know i used to work for uh, toyota and this is one of the production concepts which is uh, called hijunka and it's like uh, it got started uh, in toyota it's a integral part of uh, Toyota production system and so I mean I being an industrial engineer the advantage is that I can apply the engineering and industrial logic to the field of afforestation so we have you know uh, developed the algorithms for the tree species based on their nature of whether it is a light loving tree or a shade loving tree or it needs more water it needs less water or whether it grow goes into a canopy or it just you know stays in the shrub layer so there are a lot of uh, criteria based on which the software calculates that tree a has to be in you know uh, 10% t uh, species b have to be uh, uh, 8% species C has to be just 5% and A has to follow C, C has to follow X, X has to follow E while plantation. So this is a simulation of a natural forest which increases the chances of uh, survival uh, after 2-3 years of you know once this forest starts growing big. For example if I club two trees which grows into the same layer of canopy uh, after two three years once they are big once they have grown up they will be fighting for the same vertical space for their existence out of which you know one tree has to die to in order to uh, have the other tree uh, you know survive the survival of fittest still works there but at the same time if we arrange these tree in su such a manner that there is a harmony between every uh, species they acquire the hundred percent vertical space above ground and fit themselves into different layers so using these softwares the survival rate till now uh, in three years of running this company the survival rate of trees planted by us is 92 percent which is you know highest among even uh, in Miyawaki method uh, practiced uh, worldwide at different places well you'll keep us posted on when the software will be available and then we will certainly share that with our listenership definitely definitely I love to do that Good. And your work at AForest is based on a forestry principle called the Potential Natural Vegetation Methodology, uh, which, okay. you, which you learned straight from uh, Akira Miyawaki. Can you talk a little bit about this particular okay. methodology as it's called? Sure. So in a nutshell, Potential Natural Vegetation, or PNV, uh, says that if a piece of land is deprived from human intervention, so depriving a piece of land from human intervention means there shouldn't be any cattle there shouldn't be any residue coming out of our industrial uh, practices there shouldn't be any agricultural waste uh, you know coming on uh, the, this particular piece of land and there shouldn't be any human movement if a piece of land is deprived from human intervention for some 500 to 1000 years naturally a forest will grow on this particular piece of land now every single species in this particular forest will be native to that particular place if we use these species and and these species will be called the potential natural vegetation of that geography if we are making a natural forest by using the potential natural vegetation of that place which are these species which would have you know uh, evolved in some 500 to 1000 years leaving a place abandoned without any human intervention these are the species which would be already adapted to the natural climate of that geography to the soil conditions of that geography and to the various environmental factors the various uh, fauna of that particular place so a lot of animals will would be dependent on these species a lot of trees would be dependent on the animals of that particular geography if we use these species to make a forest 
we can have a self-sustaining forest in no time, which is like just three years. Within three years, we can create a self-sustaining native natural forest using potential natural vegetation combined with a methodology which is Miyawaki method, which is nothing but amplification of all the growth factors which you know uh, exist in a native natural forest which makes the tree grow so robust and so vast. So potential natural vegetation plus the Miyawaki methodology of creating these micro environments which are uh, vital for plant growth gives you a self-sustaining forest in just three years which grows 10 times faster finally you know resulting in a hundred year old forest in just 10 years. Which is an astonishing statistic when you think about it. Yes, I mean, the kind of change which can happen using... So, I mean, I, I, I really see that, you know, we may be uh, really very... Uh, we may get worried when we see the environmental statistics and when we see uh, that kind of devastation which is happening around us. But there is... A, I, I see a lot of hope. I mean, if we can create a 100-year forest, forest in just 10 years, just imagine that... Things like these, all they need is scale. I mean, we are, of, obviously, you know, time is less, but even this time is enough to, you know, bring back our natural forests. It's, it's really uh, quite possible. And there is a huge potential of, you know, regenerating the natural, uh, I mean, earth in its all natural capacity. So it's, it's, it's quite... And, and it's quite easy. So my mission is to you know, make it so easy, so easily accessible and get involved with more and more people using this methodology so that collaboratively, you know, we can start bringing back our forests. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think people, when they, they think to themselves that it's going to take 100 years, they don't even bother. Sure. But, but when they're aware that it could actually take 10 years, yeah. the more people yeah. are, that are aware of that are going to yeah. act on it. Yes, definitely. And your, your work is, at first glance, uh, related primarily to planting trees and reforesting once green land, but you also strive to achieve social impact and provide value to price-sensitive clients and stakeholders whose priorities yeah. are really not originally social at all. So what's the biggest yeah. challenge uh, in providing this value to entities whose aims are not generally for the greater social good? Uh, Robert, uh, the main reason why I started AForest as a company and not a non-profit is I want the people who are making forest to be looked as professional and we should take afforestation as an activity with as much seriousness as we take a business of you know making uh, good software or making good computers, making good cars. Making good forest should be taken as seriously as we do all these, uh, you know, uh, industrial activities. Why it has to happen is because, you know, uh, forests are the natural resources which produce air, food, water. And the quality of all these three essentials of life is getting deteriorated day by day. And until, you know, a uh, thing like afforestation come into mainstream, get more professionals being attracted to afforestation as an industry, probably we can't make an impact, the kind of impact which is required. And at the same time, uh, I wanted to bring the exact acumen with which professional work in industry. I mean, if you, if you compare a person running a non-profit and a CEO of a company, you will see that the CEO is mainly focused on its customer, on uh, you know improving the quality of the product, improving the efficiency of the whole organization. But unfortunately, most of the non-profits which I used to see when I was benchmarking whether to start AForest as a company or a non-profit, most of the examples which I saw was the leader of a non-profit organization his main activity after three, four years of starting the organization is fundraising. And the way a nonprofit works is like the first, you know, we have to raise the fund and then we have to make an impact. Rather than in a, in a for-profit uh, scenario as, as a running a, the show as a company, more work you do, more money comes into the system and that, you know, increases 
your quality your efficiency your every uh, your your you know uh, strengths everything so and that's the reason you know why i had to start it as a company and that experiment has been quite successful i mean if this would have failed probably i would have you know uh, started a non profit as well but that has been successful for past few years so i think it really works and do you find that you uh, are good at getting government support is that something that you find pushback and resistance or are they actually involved and actively involved in supporting your work yes uh, they support they have supported a lot because uh, when i started we were we are still a very young and a small company a small organization and i have been called by the member of parliament uh to his constituency and got to you know get into meeting with all the top officials of uh, various departments of uh, her constituency and the, the 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 project is still in discussion but there is a huge potential when you take a forestation to public spaces being pushed by governments you know overnight cities can uh, uh, you know have such plans where all the open public spaces can simply start convert getting converted into forest and that's like getting 100000 feet city within a span of one or two years so if with government uh, being involved definitely the impact going to be huge and that is happening but as now it's it's not happening uh, on site but in the back end in official stage in the documentation stage it's happening so probably another one one and a half year and you can see we working and executing projects with the government as well and more than government rather uh, like india you know that we have uh, n number of parties we are not just a two party country but we have anyone can you know start a political party and um, you know contest for election and 2014 we have uh, elections in india i have been uh, approached by a major political party which wants to understand my work afforestation and uh, its impact so that they can write their manifestos uh, environmental uh, you know literature about what they are going to do to improve the urban uh, environment using you know uh, the best methodologies which are available which is probably we are one of the best you know afforestation methodologies available so it is getting into you know manifestos of these party already there is uh, there are member of parliaments who are interested in getting afforestation done in their constituencies so slowly it's uh, getting up to that level of government where uh, even you know they uh, would start going for making of a natural forest inside city rather than just simply monocultures of plantation or simply having a grass lawn so it is making uh, you know its right way into the government mm-hmm. This Innovate series features dialogue with some of the most influential advocates for changing our world, from the CEOs and founders of major nonprofits to the directors of cultural and academic institutions. Innovate demonstrates the vital role of empathy as an agent for that change. Innovate and Aspire are produced in partnership with Ashoka, Innovators for the Public, the Kellogg Fellows Leadership Alliance, and the Philadelphia Social Innovations Journal, and presented by Arch Street Press and the Public Radio Exchange. We now return to our Innovate interview with managing editor Robert Rim and Shud Sharma, founder and CEO of A Forest. And your your method uh, creatively incorporates resources that are widely available to the general public in India, um, but yeah. they're but they're also extremely underutilized. So can you explain what these resources are uh, specifically and how you realized that mm-hmm. using them would be the most cost effective approach? Yeah, sure. So uh, as as I said, you know. so as a company which makes forest and also we uh, we we have uh, our own uh, calculation of our carbon footprint we want to keep our footprint as low as possible and also in order to make afforestation easy 
we do not use any product which is made in industry or uh, any uh, you know uh, product which has any chemical in it so number one it has to be 100 percent organic number two it has to be local because we do not want to increase our uh, transportation carbon footprint by you know travel making the material transported from uh, longer distances so the first thing what we do immediately after surveying the soil and surveying the native species of a new geography where we go to make a forest the first thing which we do is to survey the local biomass of these this place in the soil survey we would have already identified what all nutrition the soil lacks in biomass survey we identify what type of biomass is rich in those nutrition which the soil lacks and by mixing this biomass in right quantity into the soil we regenerate the soil in its full capacity on that we are going to you know plant the uh, native saplings so the whole cycle is can can be completed by just traveling within 50 kilometers of the actual site of a forestation so now india is majorly an agricultural country and we produce huge quantities enormous quantities of agricultural waste the agricultural waste at few places like uh, in in paddy in uh, you know producing rice is so huge that there are some farmers who will simply burn the you know uh, straw which is residue of uh, uh, paddy cultivation in in their fields they'll simply burn the uh, straw now this straw which otherwise we would have got wasted I mean, of course, there is a logic behind why they burn and it does some betterment to the soil. But again, it can be better utilized as a mulch in afforestation process. So we take this straw and use as it as a mulch, you know, on uh, the sites we are working on. Uh, and also there is a lot of grass which, you know, grows at ev in every after every monsoon season. Uh, it gr simply grows everywhere. So we are using this grass as a biomass you know for mixing into soil each type of grass is rich in one or the other uh, nutrition and by identifying those nutritions in the normal weed normal grass we can you know regenerate the soil simply by uh, providing the right information to the right person who requires it so all the material within 50 kilometers using only native species and using I mean, it's it's only the consultant from a forest side which goes to a new geography to start a project. Otherwise, everything is local, including the manpower, machinery, and material. Mm -hmm. And is there generally involvement from the surrounding community in these efforts to replant or sustain the newly replanted lands? Yes. I mean, uh, we never plant. I personally uh, haven't planted m uh, many trees. I mean, uh, uh, nobody from a forest would be planting trees on the plantation day it's only the people who are actually going to get benefited from this forest are going to plant so if we are making forest in the backyard of a house the whole family will be planting all these saplings if we are making a forest for a gated community the people living in that community will come and plant the forest if we are making it in a factory the staff of that factory the workers will you know come and plant the saplings for us so on the plantation day we do it like a small festival where you know we invite them provide some snacks give a small talk about why we are doing and how we are doing what all the native species of their places are so that they can, even they can learn what species they are planting so that later on in their lives when they go and you know plant uh, some some tree anywhere else they make sure that they are planting a native species that's more uh, purpose of the education and after that we have a half an hour to one hour plantation activity where you know everyone just plants saplings and then they feel really happy because many people i have uh, you know many many people like these who have come us uh, come to us as a volunteer to simply plant, plant saplings have told me that either they have they are touching the soil for first time in their lives especially people who live in cities or you know they are touching soil after 20 years 25 30 years so it's quite an experience when you make people come work together and you know go back into soil get your hands dirty so i think that is uh, something which is really close to my heart and as a forest uh, policy as well uh, we always you know uh, try to get more and more people involved if not in any other way they can simply come and plant trap saplings with us yeah the advantages are really quite clear. 
Do you, do you get any resistance or any pushback on your efforts to involve the community and also planning uh, these these lands? Are, are there any yeah. kind of resistance to this? Yeah, the main resistance what we uh, get from city dwellers is that if you're making a forest in my backyard, definitely I'm going to get snakes in my property. And that's true. If you are making a forest which sustains life, which sustains biodiversity, and snake is a part of that biodiversity, definitely a snake is going to come. So whenever, you know, I face this question, the the, the simple explanation which I have is, uh, I just ask them if they know a person who died because of snake bite, or even if they know a person uh, who has got a snake bite and they say no, and then I ask, do you know someone who has died in a car accident? Uh, the answer is obviously yes. And the, the bigger question is, should we ban cars? If, I mean, that proves that, you know, it's not snake which is so dangerous, but only the perception of how we look at it. So, if you create, if, if you take away the habitat of an animal, of a reptile, definitely it will come and enter your house. So, if the, the reason why we get uh, snakes in our houses is lack of biodiversity, lack of green spaces in the cities. When, when you start making forest in those places which are susceptible to snakes and other reptiles, they do not come out of these places. So, if you make a forest, it acts as an edge habitat of, you know, the animal, the reptile. And they avoid, you know, getting into your living spaces if already there is a, a self-sustaining living space, a forest like this, available for uh, the, the animal, the reptile. So I think we have to change the way we look at uh, such elements of biodiversity rather than, you know, being worried about them. We should think about how to make the equilibrium that they are not annoyed so that they come and attack humans and, you know, enter our habitat. So this is primarily, I mean, uh, this is the most asked question which I get. Second is, uh, what's the commercial benefit of the forest which you are making? Most of the people who look us as a tree plantation company, uh, the first question they ask is, uh, so after how many years I would, I'll be able to cut these trees and, you know, uh, harvest wood out of them and how much yield will I get per acre or, you know, so I think, uh, the, another perception of, you know, tree plantation, we have to change that tree plantation is not just to produce wood. Any natural forest gives you seamlessly endless supply of, you know, native fruit, nuts, oil seeds, you know, uh, fodder and some amount of firewood. These five things are enough to generate a con continuous revenue out of, uh, you know, uh, a piece of land. So why to cut away all the trees to harvest wood? I mean, there are other industries uh, who are producing wood. So let this industry, afforestation and afforest as a company, concentrate only on making natural forests, which are not supposed to be chopped down later on. They are forests which will exist in next ice age for next 9,000 years because they are self-sustaining, maintenance-free forests. So they have a regenerative capacity. They keep on, you know, regenerating themselves. So why not use this forest to only extract, you know, um, seeds, nuts, uh, fodder and firewood out of it rather than, you know, completely eradicating it and harvesting some wood out of it. That's an ideal question and the answer seems quite apparent. Uh, <laughs> is, there, is there one particular project uh, that gave you an outstanding sense of accomplishment? And would you share the story with our listeners of the impact you saw your work create on both the community and the livelihood of its people? Okay, so I think uh, uh, I have seen uh, quite a few things. I mean, uh, just on, on 30th of December, just two weeks ago, uh, I went to a site which I have been making forest uh, since past eight months. And I saw my first uh, first fruit on, you know, the first particular patch of forest which I have made at that site. That's an organic farm. And this farm had bigger trees uh, before, coconut trees. And I always do a bird survey that how many bird species we are able to see at a site where we go to uh, make a forest. Uh, this 
particular place unfortunately on the first day i didn't see any bird at all and two weeks ago when i went i saw a bird species which i myself haven't recognized yet it was so huge and it had a big bee and beak and i saw this bird species for the first time in my life and if i wouldn't have made this forest there probably you know this bird wouldn't have come and uh, sat at that particular place so i think the biggest appreciation is when you happen to see the biodiversity coming back and making your forest as an habitat no amount of you know money can give you the kind of satisfaction which these small tangible things can you know uh, uh, bring to you so i think that is uh, really an accomplishment where uh, you know you start getting to see these bird species which you have never seen in your life before and just because you have made a small patch of forest they have started coming back and living there i think uh, that's huge uh another incident which which i saw was this was in 2011 the first year of we running the company uh we made a forest and make in making of that forest there was a family who came as volunteers and the youngest member of this family was a two and a half year old small child and she planted a sapling altogether i mean uh, we didn't assist her her mom didn't tell how to plant but she planted the sapling all by herself without you know knowing how to get it done how how to do it but she did it herself and the next day i was making a forest in backyard of a house in bangalore and the first sapling was planted by a 92 year old lady so within 24 hours i saw a two and a half year old small child and a 92 year old person you know uh, coming and working with us and planting saplings with us so i think uh, i am working in an industry where people from all walks of life equally enjoy equally and it matters for all of them i think that's that itself is uh, you know uh, quite uh, satisfying when it comes to how much impact you are making on a human uh, level and i think that's really beautiful and that's what keeps me you know uh, uh, going all the time and and what effect does these do these uh, these forests and these plantings have on the on the livelihood and the um, the ability of these people to make a better lives for themselves yeah the best thing what has happened uh, in all these geographies where where we have you know made forest is when we go to a farmer uh, where, as i said you know we uh, buy all the material within 50 kilometers of uh, the site wherever we are planting a forest we have to get these materials within 50 kilometers so the obvious uh, solution of getting and and the most of the material what we have to get from different places is the biomass which is nothing but you know farming by products now to buy farming by products you have to go to the farmer when we go to the farmer we buy these materials which otherwise would have gone wasted and they are always so generous that you know they say that anyways you know this material is extra for us this is a farming by product so we are ready to give you for free if the quantities are less and once they start you know earning money out of these by product they started they they start valuing them they start valuing the you know uh, the 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 worth of this farming by products and for every bigger project in urban space we have made most of the money uh, which goes into material buying material goes back into the rural uh, outskirts of this particular place so it's like taking the money from the city you know uh, giving it uh, back to the farmers small plot farmers who otherwise and and without you know any extra effort it's a farming by product and we pay uh, we, i mean being a for profit company we have that liberty to pay the standard prices to these farmers not like uh, you know taking the throw away material at a throw away price but taking the f- uh, throw away uh, by product at a standard price at what you know a corporation would have sold it so the kind of impact which it has made financially for such farmers is great 
I'm, but but uh, it's it's not continuous. I mean that is a disadvantage, and that is something which we have to you know solve this problem of making them giving giving them a, a continuous uh, supply mechanism, and that's one of the bigger reason why afforestation you know has to become uh, like an industry so that these guys you know have a continuous uh, uh, channel through which you know they can uh, keep on selling their farming byproducts, and at the same time. Uh, making them realize the worth of the value of uh, their farming byproducts <coughs> the nutrition value on in in all the type of biomasses which is available at them these knows know hows have actually helped them to you know utilize these byproducts in a much better way so it's like uh, sharing of knowledge our miyawaki method knowledge and whatever you know we have learned in term of biomass and finding nutrition in the soil and nutrition in the biomass with these farmers and also you know uh, providing them uh, channels where they can use their byproducts uh, for some financial gain and at the same time uh, i have also started a, a process where uh, you know we need a huge number of saplings uh, for uh, urban afforestation so we have uh, suppliers who gives uh, who who supplies uh, forest seeds for us so they go to the forest collect these seeds and you know supply to us in bulk and we are giving these seeds and the bags in which we have to produce uh, saplings to farmers and you know people uh, living in outskirts of city and these guys are making saplings for us and we we are buying saplings from them so they do not have to invest any money to you know start producing saplings they just get the bags and the seeds and it's it's only you know their man hours which goes into uh, developing these saplings by watering them and after 4 to 5 months they are, the saplings are uh, ready to be sold back to us and we buy them so that's how also you know we are able to buy saplings at a lower cost compared to a, a large scale uh, commercial nursery and at the same time uh, you know people uh, who otherwise have uh, no option of you know uh, going out of house and uh, earning a livelihood sitting at their house they can you know uh, start uh, generating some income because of uh, selling saplings to us so i think these two ways uh, we are able to touch livelihoods and uh a small way uh, not 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 a huge way but yeah that th this is something which uh has made a small impact at lives of a few people yeah and do you intend to continue your concentrated efforts within india or do you plan to uh expand into surrounding countries or even further yeah i want to expand to surrounding countries and further and that's the main reason why we have we we are you know so conscious on developing this uh, platform the the open source platform where anyone and everyone can use their method our methodology irrespective of the geography and also apart from bangalore even in india uh, we provide only consulting services so as a consultant there is absolute freedom of you know going to new geography and start working Uh, recently i was in turkey and we are you know discussing a few things uh, with people in turkey i mean there are few organizations which are interested in uh, getting uh, uh, involved in such miyawaki method of afforestation a few ashoka fellows as well i myself is an ashoka fellow so that really helps uh, there have been we we have also started discussion with a company in middle east so i think yeah things are going to happen somewhere in you know middle eastern and uh, turkish part of europe soon yeah. and would expansion require you to change your methodology at all uh sorry this i i didn't understand the question would expansion require you to change your methodology at all what expansion required us to change yeah in other words when you expand into other countries is your method mm -hmm. is your method basically going to be the same country to country or do you have to adopt your your method to the specific country that you're working in definitely we have to adapt uh, to a specific country we are working in for an example in a country like japan which have been industrialized for such a long time there is absolutely no topsoil available so 
the standard Japanese methodology involves that we have to get the topsoil from a fertile land if we are making a forest in urban space and dump the topsoil for the topmost layer in which you know saplings will be planted but india as a country we still have you know huge layers of topsoil up to a depth of 1 1.5 meters so depending on geography the step by step uh, methodology keeps on changing because the biomass which you have to mix in soil will change the trees will change the uh, soil condition will change and then the local conditions, the, 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 the manpower condition in European side where manpower is really very expensive, we have to look for more machinery. So there, there is a change in methodology. In India, we try to use least amount of machinery, even the excavators, which we are using as a standard part of our methodology. We do not use these excavators in rural areas rather than that we, you know, do the digging manually. So depending on geography, uh, you know, uh, the steps of methodology will keep on changing but the concept will remain same the the basic concept which is like a six step six steps of overall method those six steps are going to remain same and how receptive has the public been to your past and current efforts and would you expect that to be received positively in uh, different countries, different regions, different parts of the world? Are you expecting, as we talked about earlier, any kind of pushback? Do you expect it to be a difficult, a straightforward process? I think the majority of population, majority of people have been really very receptive and happily they have, you know, uh, welcomed us. I mean, the reason why you and me are, you know, uh, having this podcast is because we have been and i mean we are just a three-year-old company we have absolutely zero marketing budget but we have been received so overwhelmingly by you know people outside the world outside that i see a huge uh, you know potential in future uh, expansions going to new places and making a lot more forest uh 2011 i started the company 2012 i was an inc fellow which is like ted india it got started from ted india and uh, now it has become the inc conference so i became an inc fellow i spoke at the uh, inc stage from there you know uh the word got spread and ashoka found about us ashoka made me a ashoka fellow uh, later on, uh, when TED fellowships were open, even te I, I became a TED fellow uh, three months, yeah, three months ago, and I'll be speaking at the TED conference in Vancouver this March. So, the way we have been uh, promoted by public in general and these great organizations, just like yours, that has been, you know, really very, very much helping for taking you know our work uh, forward so i think uh, if by little efforts i mean i don't see that we have made a kind of impact which dr miyawaki himself has made he has planted 40 million trees till now we have planted just 43000 trees so the kind of acceptance the kind of promotion which we have got compared to what work we have done is huge is massive and this also gives a great sense of responsibility that we have to deliver you know what we are uh, expected of so there is a huge uh, sense of responsibility which has come to us and uh, i i see a lot of commitment in my team and you know uh, uh, being being capable enough to, you know, uh, satisfying whatever, you know, uh, masses demands from us, which is uh, primarily, you know, keeping our goal straight, bringing back natural forests. And I love a quote from yours, uh, of yours from the article about a forest in the Economic Times. Uh -huh. If you want to have a meal, you can't be satisfied <laughs> by a biscuit. So how does, how does this quote relate to your personal experience as a social entrepreneur and how does it apply to other socially beneficial careers? 
<laughs> well uh, the the interviewer was asking me uh that why do you want to use only this methodology and uh, why you didn't do it part time as as just like a hobby i mean you were working in toyota and toyota was already making these forests and you could have still remained a volunteer and you know keep on planting a few trees here and there why did you leave the job and started as a company and so so uh, the, the way i wanted to explain him is uh, the kind of in environmental degradation which is happening right now needs a huge number of trees to be planted needs a big uh, afforestation activity happening around the planet it, with exactly the same pace at which you know environmental degradation or deforestation is happening every minute we are losing 36 football fields of forest i mean that's ridiculous it shouldn't happen like that and to compensate that if we depend on the 2% profit of a big corporation going into its csr budget then you know getting uh, distributed amongst a million ngos throughout the planet out of which you know few are working in field of environment which you know 0.1% would be into planting trees you can imagine that the kind of hunger for afforestation with the planet has is huge but what we are you know uh, doing to uh, compensate this hunger is like really very less so that's how you know if you want to have a, a full meal <laughs> you just can't be satisfied with a biscuit so you know taking this challenge head on you know i had to leave the job and start a new company which takes you know it as a mission to bring back the natural forest i know it's 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 like uh too vague and and too big as a challenge but somebody had to start it so i mean why not from here <laughs> well there's yeah. so much there's so much to learn from your experience and for our listeners the best way to reach uh, shubs and to support afrs work is through afrs.com and our listeners should click on the webpage links above this podcast for further details Uh thank you so much for joining us today Shubhs and we uh, certainly look forward to following your continuing progress. Thanks a lot Robert. Thanks a lot. I'm glad. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Our library of interviews and a range of further resources may be found at archstreetpress.org or prx.org.